0: Welcome to the Missionary District Podcast. My name is Amos, and I'm here with Jordan Duncan. Hello, everybody. And uh, before we get going into our topic for today, Jordan has some big news that he wants to share. Huge news. Huge.
1: Hot off the presses, <laughs> which I guess is just an analogy at this point. because we're
0: They still it? print newspapers. I guess so, though. yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, we're not printing newspapers, but uh, fresh to the airwaves, uh, do podcasts happen through airwaves? I don't know. Well, anyways, <laughs> folks, the news that I'd like to share <laughs> is that I, am, I have released a podcast of my very own. It's called Lesser Known Lewis, and I'm actually doing it with a friend of mine who I went to Bible school with years ago and have remained really close friends with, and uh, he's actually now the president of... Of that Bible college. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's really exciting um, for him and for me, because I get to do a podcast with him. So the podcast is about uh, C.S. Lewis. Uh, Amos, have you read any C.S. Lewis? Never heard of him. Okay. (laughs) Well, let me tell you about him. (laughs) C.S. Lewis is a pretty well-known author and uh, Christian writer from the, well, 1940s and 50s, but his works... I mean, Amos, I know you're, I'm sure you're being facetious. You've read a ton of his works because they're very popular. Uh, He's got popular books like Mere Christianity, The Chronicles of Narnia, Screwtape Letters, and a whole bunch of others. But our podcast is actually focusing on a bunch of stuff that most people have never read of his, which are sermons and speeches and magazine articles. That uh, Lewis wrote over his time as a Christian writer and thinker. And I mean, he was actually a professor at Oxford and at Cambridge. So, I mean, this guy is pretty brilliant, Yeah, knows what he's talking about, had amazing things to say that shaped a lot of Christians over the last hundred years, including myself and including my friend, Sean. And so that's why we're doing the podcast is because we started reading these, I guess, essays or shorter works that Lewis wrote and realized hardly anyone has read these or knows about them, but we found them to be just as impactful as anything else we've read by him. Hmm. And um, they actually, he, he was writing at a time when the world was at war and then shortly after World War II. And so a lot of what he has to say seems really to apply to a world in crisis, much like we are experiencing right now. And he's also writing at a time when secularism was just taking root and maybe bearing fruit in the world. And so I'm actually already seeing a lot of overlap between the things that you and Tyler are talking about on this podcast and the things that C.S. Lewis wrote about and was thinking about. So I find him very relevant and exciting and interesting. And so my friend Sean and I decided we wanted to do our own book club on it. And, uh, and then just decided to record that and put it out there if anyone else is interested. So it's called Lesser Known Lewis. Awesome. And we've probably got about five or so episodes up by the time this will be on your podcast. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's great. Where can people find it?
1: Uh, it will be on uh, most podcast apps. I think it's already on Apple and Spotify and should be on Google in a couple days, but they're being a little slow yeah (laughs) so yeah
0: that's great there there you have it lesser known lewis follow that podcast and while you're at it follow this one uh (laughs) actually i know a lot of people are kind of loosely following along with what we're doing here uh, but they haven't necessarily subscribed and so i know i've had a couple conversations with people where they're like hey i really love that one episode you did like three months ago when are you going to do another one and i'm like (laughs) Like every two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) So hit the subscribe button on uh, missionary district podcast and on the lesser known Lewis podcast and, uh, come along for the adventure.
1: Yeah. It turns out I found out that when people, the more subscriptions a podcast has, the more people who have subscribed and the more people who have gone and rated it, like you can usually just click, you know, three stars, four stars, five stars on the podcast app somewhere. The better the podcast app will, the more likely it will recommend it to other people who are just searching for podcasts. So if you're listening to this and you want other people to just find it, do Amos a favor to uh, review it, rate it, and subscribe, and, and more people will be able to find it.
0: Great. <laughs> All right. So today we are going to talk about the title, Father. And a lot of people call their priests or their pastors father. Uh, But the question, I guess, is why do they do that and should they do that? And as usual with uh, the kinds of questions that uh, Jordan and I have been answering, uh, this question comes from different groups of people and it can be asked in, I think, very different ways. So somebody who's just brand new to the Christian faith might hear us refer to our priest as father and just wonder why do we do that? And so for them it really is just curiosity. They have probably never encountered it before and it just seems a little bit odd. And so it's a it's a simple question and we can give a pretty simple answer. And so in that case uh, I think we might point them to uh, the analogy of the church as the family of God. If the church is something like a family, then the priest is something like a father to that family. He gives uh, leadership, hopefully protection, uh, and and he provides for the family. He feeds the family through word and sacrament, things like that. And so his relationship to the household of God is something like what we understand a father to be to his children. Or we could also uh, talk about how the priest— helps us to understand the fatherhood of God. And we've talked a lot about uh, holiness in this podcast uh, in reference to the transcendence of God, his, his otherness, that God is completely different from anything that exists within the bounds of creation. And one of the consequences of that is that we can't actually directly know who God is or what he is like which means that a lot of our knowledge of God is analogical. We don't directly describe God's essence because we can't. It's unattainable for us. We can't grasp God with our words any more than we can with our hands. And so we use concepts that we are familiar with, and then we say God is kind of like that. And we know that these things are are incomplete, that they're imperfect, but it helps us to feel our way towards him. And then you get a whole bunch of these things that kind of stack up where you go, God is kind of like that, but not really. God is kind of like that, but not really. And as you piece those things together, you you do start to get a fuller picture of what God actually is like. But in order for those analogies to make sense to us, we obviously have to use concepts that are familiar. And so I think fatherhood is a really good one because everybody has a father whether they were a good father or not, at a biological level, everyone has a father. And so when the scriptures call God our father, we at least have some frame of reference for understanding what that might mean. We have something that we can extrapolate from. And so when we call our priest's father, we're recognizing that in some way, they are reflecting the universal fatherhood of God to us. They point to us beyond themselves, and they help us connect to God, who is our true father. And I guess because of that, at an experiential and relational level, we often learn about God by looking to our priests, these um, analogies or symbols of our relationship with with God. And so we give them this honorary title of father to acknowledge those kinds of things.
1: So just to summarize so far, it's helpful because Calling Priests Father teaches us uh, and maybe even helps us understand and think about the church as a family, which is a very biblical uh, image for what the church is to, to really understand what it is. I think you, you probably the family is one of the best. The family and a body are the two scriptural uh, examples that just bring the understanding of church to life the best, in my opinion. Well, they're the two scriptural ones. So, in scripture's opinion, too. Um, well, the bride. The bride. The Christ. bride, yeah. There's three. Is there a fourth one I'm missing?
0: I feel like there probably is. And we're going to listen to this and go, ah, that oh, that's what it was. Very obvious. Well, <laughs>
1: listeners, you can write in and tell us what that fourth one is. Anyway, um, yeah. So, calling priests father is not just in line with the picture of the church as a family, but it actually maybe enacts sure that yeah. lives that out yeah. um but also helps us understand church better because we're living out this family picture and we are it, it teaches us what it means for the church to be a family but you've also said then it also teaches us and helps us understand who god is as right. father which is maybe one of the most used terms for god in scripture wouldn't you think
0: Uh, yeah, it is certainly in the new Testament. So it's pretty rare in the old Testament. Um, and when it is used in the old Testament, it's pretty general, like Mm -hmm. the father of the nation of Israel, the father of creation, those sorts of things. Um, but when, when Jesus comes, uh, he really, I mean, he takes that to another level and you know, this is my father and your father and yeah, the, the revelation of God as father, uh, really is very, very prominent in, in the new Testament.
1: Right. So then calling priests as father, as you've said, is kind of like a sign maybe that points us to what God is like as father helps us understand that. Okay. So what about, so that's for like new people and, uh, or new believers. Um, what about Christians? What kind of questions do you get from them who like longtime Christians (laughs) who are asking you about this?
0: Yeah. Um, (laughs) this group tends to be a little bit more challenging. Um, Uh, again, against I guess sometimes uh, a Christian has just never been exposed to this before, and so they're generally curious, and, th- and they might just be asking um, out of curiosity, uh, in which case we can have a very similar conversation. Uh, but most of the time, at least in my experience, the question uh, is coming from people who are a little bit suspicious about it. And so the question is usually phrased a little bit differently uh, when it comes from this group, and it's often— more of an accusation than it is a question. Uh, I find most of the time people aren't really looking for a conversation about it. They're just trying to voice their opposition, but they're not trying to be too confrontational about it. And so the question might sound uh, something like this. Uh, They might say, how can you call priests father when Jesus says in the Bible, call no man father?
1: That's a fair point. (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah it is a fair point yeah yeah. and you can see by that question though that it's not just a question like it's got a built-in accusation that we're not taking the bible seriously uh, and it obviously carries with it a specific interpretation of a passage of scripture and so the first thing that we have to do is look at the passage and and just read what jesus is actually saying there Um, And so, yeah, let's read that. Actually, Jordan, would you mind just reading that passage out? Matthew 23, uh, verses 8 to 12.
1: So this is Jesus speaking. He says, But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brethren. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called masters, for you have one master, the Christ he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted.
0: Awesome, uh, great passage of scripture, and it does, as you say, clearly say, "Call no man father." Um, okay, so let let's assume that that somebody is just genuinely asking this question and looking to have a conversation about it. So they read the passage. And now they're just trying to make sense of what they see in the church. And I think that's really fair. At face value, these do seem to be contradictory things. And I actually have no problem at all with somebody who would want to restrict their use of the word father because of this passage. Right. If, if you think that it's problematic to call your priest's father, then don't do it. Uh, it it's not a mandatory thing. It's an honorary title. And you really actually shouldn't use it if you are uncomfortable with it. Uh, however, I do think that it seriously misses the intention of these words. It's, it's not just about deleting a few words from your vocabulary. If that is what Jesus meant, then how far are we supposed to take this? Uh, because it's just sort of a blanket condemnation when you just read those verses. So is it, for example, unbiblical for a child to refer to their biological father as father. Um, I don't know anybody that takes it that far. Uh, But if that isn't wrong, then either we're all at fault for introducing some exceptions that the text doesn't allow for, or Jesus's words here aren't actually a universal condemnation of all uses of the word father. And... I think that's that's pretty clearly the case. There are some situations when the word father is an acceptable title and some when it is not.
1: So just to pause here and, and summarize so far, sure. um, it's not necessarily, you're not arguing for this as something that has to be done or needs to be done. It's not a necessary thing. Um, like you said, it was. it's an honorary title. Yeah. Um, so I guess what we're asking then is first, can you call priest's father, uh, given the fact that this scripture seems to, on face value, uh, say not to? Right. And then a- after that, maybe the question is, well, should you? Or wh- or maybe why should you? What would be the benefit of it? But we haven't got there yet, so we're still talking about the scripture part. Um, and I noticed we're talking about uh, a literal interpretation of scripture. Right. And a literal interpretation seems to just say, uh, you know, you you take the phrase, call no man father. Yeah. And on, on its own, that phrase seems very obvious, but there's a couple of things that you have to consider when interpreting scripture. And one of them is, is, is the question of how literally do we take something? Right. For example, when Jesus says, if your hand if your right hand offends you, cut it off. Yeah. How literally do we take that? In this case, you could say, how literally do we want to take these words? Call no man father, because we're saying, well, what word is the word I'm not supposed to say? Father. Right. Yeah. But the original biblical text didn't say father, it said patros, probably, because right. it's in Greek. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so then you go, well, if we're going to take this super literally, does it just mean don't use that Greek word? Right. (laughs) Or does it mean don't use the concept of that Greek word? Right. And then it gets even more complicated if you want, because you go, probably Jesus wasn't speaking Greek. He was speaking Aramaic. So now we're asking, (laughs) (laughs) which of these words can't we say, Jesus? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I think most people who want to take this um, literally and, and honor the text in that way, would agree. It's not the specific word that's the problem, but it's the concept. Right. So I think we even will have some common ground there. The question is then what's what's the concept of this whole passage that Jesus, what's the point Jesus is making? What is his concept here that he's against? And so then to understand what is Jesus about here, uh, we go to another principle of biblical interpretation, which is simply... Um, interpreting all scripture in light of other scripture. Right. So basically anytime that scripture is confusing, find other scriptures that talk about it or bring in a a tension or a balance or sometimes it seems like a contradiction, right? Right. Um, So to that question, are there other scriptures we should be considering or even just other parts of this one passage that shine light on the phrase Call no man father and help us understand it better.
0: I do think that's interesting too, though, about, you know, Jesus was speaking in Aramaic and the gospel writer was writing it in Greek and we're reading it in English. And and so there's really a whole range of words that could be associated with it, you know, right. depending on the translators along the way, you know, is it the word father that's being condemned or is it dad or... Papa or, you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, even um, as I read this passage in a few different translations, uh, the word father stays the same because it's a pretty basic word, but some translations have different words for rabbi and for master. Right. This one, there's like teacher or doctor or for master, there's instructor or leader. So which of those words? Yeah. All (laughs) of them that we can't use or, you know.
0: Yeah, and we could ask similar questions about those terms, right? Like, is it unbiblical to tell your pastor that he's a great teacher or for a student to relate to their professor as their teacher? I don't think it is, uh, obviously. Um, But if there is a universal condemnation of, you know, priests or pastors being called father, which is in verse 9, then um, consistent biblical interpretation would also require that there be equally strong objections to the words teacher in verse 8, and master in verse ten, and uh, I know a lot of people that that seem to get very upset about calling priests father, who don't have any issue at all using the words teacher or master or um, any word that would be in their you know semantic range.
1: Well, even in our culture, we call a lot of people doctors who get their doctorate, right. and rabbi and doctor are kind of the same word in in. A lot of senses, like you could translate "rabbi doctor" as "doctor" often, um, and some people uh, even have their master's degree,
0: right. although we never yeah. call
1: them masters. Yeah, but
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm a, a master electrician actually. Well, there we go. Congratulations. uh, It's it's an unbiblical title, Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry.
1: Speaking of unbiblical titles, I'm a master of divinity, which if anything's unbiblical, that seems like it should be it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So I I guess I would say that most, uh, it seems to me anyways, that that most objections to the title Father aren't actually just based solely on this passage because we can see that uh, there's some inconsistency in how you're applying it. And, and so they're also colored by some external factors, I guess.
1: It seems like this is one of those instances where if you didn't grow up going to a church where this is taught or practiced even, yeah. um, then your only understanding of it comes from Hollywood. Right? We see <laughs> we see in a lot of shows, priests are called father and, and that's all our understanding of it is, or, or from maybe bad examples of this. Right, but we never see the heart behind it, or the the positive reasons why maybe it's okay, and maybe it's even a beneficial thing.
0: Yeah, and uh, I mean, despite our confusion about it, Jesus is clearly condemning something here, and so we can't just like dismiss it altogether. For sure, like we still have to try to understand which usages of the words father, teacher, and master are acceptable and maybe even beneficial, and which ones are not. And, of course, we're focusing on the word father uh, in this podcast, but obviously we could say similar things about each of the other titles as well.
1: It's just that no one seems to be having a problem with those ones. That's
0: right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's already been implied um, that that using the word father in a biological way uh, isn't a problem. Nobody seems to have a problem with that one. Jesus is not, in these verses, forbidding children from calling their biological fathers, father or dad or papa or any other synonymous designation. But I guess I would ask then, what about in a spiritual way? Are there any acceptable uses of the word father in a spiritual way? Maybe that's the thing that Jesus is condemning in these verses. If you went to Sunday school at all growing up, you probably got used to referring to the Old Testament figure Abraham as the father of the nation of Israel, uh, or maybe even the father of the faith. And to my knowledge, there are no objections to this usage of the word father for Abraham or for his descendants who also sort of share in that calling. So Isaac and Jacob and others are, are counted among the patriarchs. Uh, that would be another word associated with the semantic range of, of father. Uh, the patriarchs or the forefathers of the nation of Israel. Um, and of course, uh, that's a biological term for Israel, but it is appropriated in a spiritual way in the new testament galatians 3:29 says if you are christ's then you are abraham's offspring heirs according to promise so we're not biologically descended from abraham but we are his spiritual heirs or in other words he is our father in the faith and it's okay to talk about him in those terms and the bible talks about him in those terms and it's not just abraham but the apostles do this as well So the Apostle John, throughout his epistles, regularly addresses those he is writing as children. I think 1 John is probably uh, the most prominent example of that. Um, And so, of course, if he's calling the people he's writing children, that firmly places him in a fathering role. And so he sees himself as a spiritual father to the people he's writing to. Um, And also, Paul, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he says this, I do not write this to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. So again, very similar language to John. And then he goes on, for though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Uh, So that's a pretty overt statement. And it seems to me to be exactly the kind of thing that we're talking about uh, in this conversation. And so I think we can see that this practice of referring to spiritual leaders as father is actually pretty common in the scriptures. And the apostles themselves, uh, despite their obvious familiarity with Jesus' teaching in Matthew 23, seem to be comfortable adopting this practice when they are addressing their congregations. And I think there's probably two main reasons for this. First, uh, as we've already said The fatherhood of God, like many things in theology, is something that we can really only grasp by way of reference and analogy. And so it's our familiarity with the concept of fathering in general that gives the revelation of God as Father its profound meaning. We're given imperfect earthly shadows, which are meant to, in some way, reflect and communicate the perfect heavenly reality. Um, So, in other words, Uh, We can learn something of the fatherhood of God by looking to the fathers of Scripture and to our biological fathers. And likewise, when some churches choose to refer to their pastors as father, their intention, I think, is to do so in recognition of the infinitely greater fatherhood of God. And so our pastors and priests are not an end in themselves, and they're not perfect fathers. Their task is to point us to our perfect heavenly father, and God then is pleased to reveal his fatherly nature to his people through them. So to forbid the use of the word father altogether would cause us to miss that analogous relationship, and we would ultimately risk losing sight of the fatherhood of God. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, so it's like if we couldn't call someone father on earth, yeah. then how would we understand what it means for God to be a father? Exactly. And if yeah. that's one of the crucial things or categories that Jesus has given us to understand who God is and what our relationship is like with God, then we would be missing out on one of the most crucial aspects of God if we had if we had nothing to liken it to, I guess, yeah. or no experience of a father. Which makes me think then it actually really makes sense that that priests would be called fathers or thought of as fathers because, uh, some people don't know their earthly father or don't have an earthly father in their life yeah. or just have bad and broken versions of fathering to various degrees. Yeah, And at least with priests, there is, they've become priests because they are people who the other spiritual fathers who have been ordained as priests recognize as people who embody some aspect of that fatherhood of God well. Right. So it's like they're given to the church even as a helpful, maybe corrective to the the earthly father you may have had. Right. Or at least at least as a another example that should be uh and is most likely a good example of God's fatherhood. Right even if you had a great father.
0: Yeah. Like if if we couldn't call anybody father, the word father would have no meaning at all. And so, yeah, I think that's a good point that you make there. And in some ways, I think then because we we can all acknowledge that whether we're talking about our biological fathers or um, our spiritual fathers and our our pastors and priests, they are imperfect analogies of the fatherhood of God, Mm -hmm. right? And so... In some ways, I think then it's like, well, the more you have, the better. Right. The more imperfect analogies you have, you know, the clearer picture that you'll get because you'll be right. able to piece together. What are what are the good things that I see in all of these different people? Mm-hmm. And that can help inform your your revelation of God as the ultimate good and loving father.
1: Right. Once you have two versions of a father in your life, you begin to see that the maybe the first one you had, you see the areas where, oh, that wasn't just because they were like that doesn't mean that's what all fathers are, what a father is meant to be.
0: You can see their deficiencies and their strengths. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can go, okay, if I extrapolate on their strengths to an infinite degree, what what would that mean for God as my father? Yeah.
1: So probably the things that the fathers in your life have in common are most likely the things that our father is supposed to have, right? <laughs> and the the things that they, you know, are outliers about them, uh, and their character are maybe the things that are just unique to their brokenness and not to the, what they're spo- what they were meant to be as a father.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I wonder if just another way of understanding what this verse is, and I think you have you probably have more to say on this, but if I could just add another good principle of biblical interpretation is asking, what does this verse have to do with Jesus? And I kind of just thought about, I wonder if Jesus is, at least in the original context of him saying this, trying to elevate himself above being just another rabbi or master uh, in the Jewish context and custom. Because at that point there was a lot of people seeing him as a prophet or as a rabbi and following him as such. And I wonder if this verse kind of, he's trying to say something about himself that elevates him above the other teachers around, the other rabbis and masters. Right. Do you think there's any?
0: Yeah, I think maybe in contrast to what maybe some of the scribes and Pharisees were doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when when we ask... What was it that Jesus was condemning in Matthew twenty-three? These verses are coming in the midst of a section that that is actually denouncing the pride and the arrogance of some scribes and Pharisees. And so I think it's really the last couple of verses that we that we read that tie everything together to the point that Jesus is, is making in this passage. So verses eleven and twelve said, He who is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And so rather than humbly looking to God as the source of fatherhood and teaching and authority, the scribes and Pharisees were exalting themselves as the highest authorities, and so they were taking the title master in verse 10. They were exalting themselves as the ultimate teachers, and so they were taking the title rabbi in verse eight, and they were exalting themselves as the primary father figures, and so they were taking the title father, and that's that's verse nine, uh, but they they were they were seeking these titles without giving recognition to God as the source of all these things, right? And so they they wanted to be called father, but they were not actually reflecting the Father's heart or leading people to the Father. They, they were seeking His glory for themselves. You know, the earthly shadow is supposed to reflect a heavenly reality, but they, they were taking that all that attention and honor and glory for themselves. And so I think Jesus is not in this passage universally condemning all uses of the words father, teacher, or master. He's He's condemning the idolatry and the hypocrisy of human teachers and authority figures that would try to take for themselves glory that rightfully belongs to God alone. So I guess if your pastor or your priest is seeking the title father because he wants to divert your attention from God, who is your true and perfect father, then the context of Matthew 23 is applicable and you shouldn't indulge or encourage those kinds of things. Uh, If, however, your pastor is seeking, uh, however imperfectly, to point you towards your heavenly father, if if he desires to worship God with you, and if in some small way you see a reflection of your Heavenly Father in the person that is ministering to you in his name, then I don't think it's inappropriate or unbiblical, according to this passage, to acknowledge those kinds of things with the title Father, if you so choose to do.
1: Yeah, and I think it may help you understand God as Father better. Like even in, in listening to you today, I'm realizing for myself, maybe that's, something that I can do more just for the sake of understanding God's fatherhood of me better. Like maybe that will spark something and and bring it alive for me. I think one thing I like, I'll say that I like about um, being in an Anglican context is this actually feels safe to call priests father, even in light of this verse because the Anglican ordination process is kind of set up to, to help guard against leaders who are seeking titles for themselves, you know? Right. Um, because the the process is such that you can't just take it on yourself in order to be ordained uh, as a deacon or a priest or a bishop. You have to have others who are already ordained, um, ordain you. Right. Right. And so ideally, I mean, nothing, no one's perfect and the process isn't perfect to catch all this all the time, but ideally it helps to ensure that those who are priests are not those who are priests because they were seeking a title. Right. Like the, um, I'll read a phrase here or a sentence from uh, the book of common prayer in the section that has all the uh, liturgies for ordination, the very intro To that section, it says, uh, no one may presume to execute any of the offices without being called, tried, examined, and found to have the required qualities, which just for me brings a lot of confidence that there's a, you know, there's a smaller chance that the people who are priests uh, are priests because they were seeking the title for themselves. Right. And therefore, I feel like I, I can call them father because I, I know they weren't asking for it. They weren't looking for it. Yeah, and it's yeah. also not for, I guess, after listening to your explanation, I realize it's not for their benefit that I'm calling them father. Right. I think it's more for my benefit. yeah, um, cause it teaches me about the church as a family of God it teaches me about God as father.
0: I think too, it actually teaches you about, you know, who you are in the church. You know, when you call somebody father, that implicitly means that, you are the child in that relationship, and right. so in some ways you you are submitting yourselves to their uh, a th- spiritual authority mm-hmm. over you, um, which which is helpful. It's helpful to know that you have fathers around that are <laughs> going to look after you and care for you, and um, that have that kind of authority over you. Yeah. And I know, for me, calling priests father has been a, a really beneficial practice, and in some ways challenging at times as well, though, for sure. Because, you know, for example, our, our rector, Father Stephen, we've been friends for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we were teenagers together and we did stupid things together. And like, (laughs) I, I I know him deeply. And then all of a sudden one day he was a priest Mm -hmm. and our relationship had to change a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, so for me, at, at that point, it was a discipline to say, you know, okay, I'm going to, for a while at least, be very intentional about calling him father so that it sort of solidifies in me um, his new role in the church and mm-hmm. my role in relation to him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like an opportunity, though I may not like it, or it, even just because it feels awkward, and, and like you said, I'm like, I've known Stephen longer than... Uh, He has been a priest, right? and so it just feels weird to call him father sometimes, but I I do see it as an opportunity for me to practice the godly uh, disciplines of submission to authority Mm -hmm. and grow in humility. And, I mean, no one ever likes having to grow in humility. (laughs) (laughs) Usually, though, your opportunities to grow in humility are forced upon you, you yeah. know, it's some things that just happen and you have to eat humble pie, whether you like it or not. This is one of the opportunities you can have, I think, to grow in humility by choosing to do something right by, and just simply choosing to honor an elder.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening today. Uh, as always, if you have questions or comments, you can get a hold of us at missionarydistrict@gmail.com.